Well, I started the year with a sermon that many of you said was quite impactful, and so some of you might remember this. We said, things have never been better. By almost every measure, we live at the best of times, and I've got the charts to prove it. In 120 years, and sorry if you can't read it, but life expectancy across the globe has gone from 35 to 70. And in Australia, it's 85. We live so much longer because we're so much better at health. Literacy in the world has gone from 20% of the world could read 100 years ago to now 90%. Isn't that amazing? 90% of the world today can read. World poverty has halved since 1980 when we sang, Feed the world, let them know it's Christmas. I think it was because we stopped singing that, that um, things really went. So 1980, world poverty is half. That's the red one. And the middle class, which is the green one, has gone gangbusters. In fact, there's now more fat people in the world than thin people. And I'm trying not to to be on the fat side. Violence, crimes and wars have all decreased. We have actually never been safer despite the fact that we have this thing called terrorism that we're all afraid of. And even natural disasters, less people now die of natural disasters than before. And it's because we've got better building standards, we've got rescue teams, we've got early warning systems. Things have never been so good. But if things have never been so good... Why do we feel so bad? Why do we feel so bad in our world? Why is there so much noise about um, everything? Well, because we still have problems. There's still problems, and I got a list climate change, global inequality, militant religion, world leaders with expansionist ideas, social media, refugees, mental health, the oppression of women. There are still problems that we face as a world. And today, though, I just want to focus on one problem. Because this one problem makes all the other problems worse. And in fact, it makes them almost impossible to solve. And so if we can begin to make a dent on this one problem that makes every other problem worse, wouldn't that be a a wonderful Christmas gift to give to our world, even just our local world. Do you agree that would be a good thing? Because I don't know if you know, but we're actually problem-solving beings. We're created to spot problems and to solve them. Um, Who finds it easier to be critical than complimentary? Hands up. Oh, come on, I know you guys. I know. Maybe we'll do it the other way. Who finds it Hands down, who finds it easier to be critical than complimentary? Yeah, just as I thought, just as I thought. But that's okay. It's actually part of our divine nature to spot problems, but then to solve them. So we don't want to just stay critical. We're designed to be creative, to see what's wrong and to be creative in in solving that. 
So we don't just want to be the ones who critique. We want to be the ones who create. Because we invent tools, processes, medicines, proverbs, rules, rituals, all designed to solve problems. It's actually when we're at our best as humans, making the world a better place. It's part of our created that God put us in this garden and said, I want you to be in charge of the world, to take what I've given you and fix, improve it and grow it. Or as the words of the Lord's Prayer say, your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. God didn't, Jesus didn't just give us those words so we could pray it and let God do it. It was actually an invitation for us to be part of bringing the kingdom of God to earth. As Jordan Peterson would say, he's one of the world's most famous psychologists at the moment. He actually says, Genesis teaches us that when we confront the chaos of the world with the truth, the the logos, the word of truth, we create habitable order. God in creation saw the chaos and he spoke his word, his logos to it and out came Eden, out came paradise. We transform the sinful broken world, world with the word of truth and when we do, a little bit of heaven comes. Now, obviously, Satan, the devil, malevolence does not want the world to be put together well. Boy, that's a big statement. There are forces out there that do not want the world to operate well, that does not want your life to work. And I've seen that firsthand this year as I've dealt with you as a community. Domestic violence, the disease, uh, people choosing um, affairs, uh, uh, depression. And I bet you've all experienced these forces that are actually trying to pull the world apart. We've got this thing that we call life that's inexplicable, that is growing and building and putting things together. And we've got this other force that is just trying to pull things apart, tear down and destroy. Jesus said it this way, the thief comes to steal, kill and destroy, to create chaos and sadness and bitterness. But I, Jesus, have come that you may have life. And have it in all its fullness. In science, we even have laws about this. The second law of thermodynamics talks about a system going to maximum entropy, which is maximum chaos. It's designed to fall apart. And it's life that actually puts it back together. So anyway, what is this one problem that I'm talking about? What is this one problem that I think makes all the other problems worse and makes us stop solving all the other problems. It's our world's total polarisation. The fact that we've got left and right, black and, black and white, right and wrong. In our world today, we've become so divided. Now, that's not particularly a problem. It's okay to have opinions, to, to believe in right and wrong and for or against. It's that we've become entrenched 
in our divisions. We've dug holes. We've put our fingers in our ears and we've shouted at each other, la, 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 I'm not listening. I'm not, you're wrong, you're wrong. And we see this with issues like climate change where Greta Thunberg is demonising past generations, but past generations are demonising her back. Where science is used to prove and disprove on both sides of the arguments and where the solutions that are proposed are so radical, either economic devastation or environmental devastation, that we just become immobilised. We don't know what to do. American politics, oh, where Trump can absolutely lie and cheat and, and because he's our man, we, we don't care about that. Or where we hate Trump so much that getting rid of him is all we can think about. And indeed, our political policies become so radical left wing that we make ourselves unelectable. Where we call anyone who disagrees with us, not simply different, but deplorable. When our choices are between Boris Johnson's Brexit or Jeremy Corbyn's closed private schools down, what have we done? We always thought the problem was lack of education, lack of um, information. If we just knew more, if everyone was more educated. But with the internet, we've got more information than we've ever had before. And we already said 90% of the world are now um, can read. We're more educated than ever before. But it seems that with confirmation bias, identity politics, social media, the collapse of independent journalism, donor politics, echo chambers, filter bubbles, catastrophizing, demonizing, cancer, uh, cancel culture, and in-group, putting in-group approval above our humanity, which is tribalism, with all of that, information becomes useless. And even in our own society and church, the debate about same-gender marriage deteriorated to name-calling, phobias, and a polarised morality where this one important but side issue became the determiner of righteousness and the illegitimate, the saved and the damned, those on the right side of history and the heretics. We turned this issue into an idol. We elevated it above all else, even Christ. We've always been prone to extremes, but when the social issues define who you will be social with, then we've got a problem. Something's gone wrong. Our problem isn't lack of education. It isn't lack of information. It goes so much deeper to our very souls. It's, it's hubris. It's pride. We know the answer. It's a lack of grace to the other, our inability to go together. We know that generally in life, solutions come from the middle, working together. When we listen to the other, when the people on the, the left can help the people on the right to see uh, what they don't quite get and vice versa. When we walk the narrow road between license and legalism. That's why I'm so blown away by today's story. I'm so blown away by the Christmas story. 
Because into this maelstrom of human pride, human animosity towards the other, entrenched position, hard-line, hard-nosed, hard-headed egos, God sends a baby. A baby. God's answer is not someone who's going to shout louder. It's not someone who's going to know it all. Someone who can force their opinion on others. God comes as a baby, a baby, a baby. I've had a couple of babies. Okay, Becky had the babies. Um, but, you know, I was there feeling it. I was, I was feeling it. You know, I was, I was there with her. Babies do a few things to you. Babies force you to shut up. A baby doesn't care about your opinion. No one's ever delivered a a speech or a sermon to a room full of babies. What I think doesn't matter anymore. When confronted with a baby, I have to put my agenda aside and I have to go with it. The cuddling and the snookles and the Gucci Gucci goo and and the feeding and the nappy changing. Babies and children are the great humbler. I can no longer just think about myself. I have to think about the other or they won't even survive. Is that why men find it harder to become stay-at-home parents? Because we find it harder to put our egos aside? With a baby, you've got to go to their level. You've got to say, this child, this, this baby... What do they need to know? How can I explain it to them? With a baby, you have to wait. Man, I had to wait seven years before Jenny could have deep theological discussions with me. And I mean, she was 11 before she was smarter than me. And you think I'm joking. (laughs) Babies, they make you think long term as well, don't they? What kind of world are we creating? What kind of idiot parent am I? They give you perspective beyond yourself. If we want to stop our polarization and begin to solve the problems of the world, we need the lesson of this baby. Consider how just bizarre this story is. Everything that a baby is, God is not. Have you ever thought about that? All the things that the Aristotelian vision had of God, that's what Aristotle and Socrates and Plato, what they said a God should be, which the Christian church took on, they should be, uh, you know, all those big words, omnipresent, omnivicent, carnivorous, maybe not. Um, All those big things, babies are not. Babies know nothing, just their instinct. Babies have to learn, have to listen, have to wonder, have to delight. Babies are totally dependent. I can understand why in some religions to have God become a baby is absolute heresy. It's anathema. God could never do this. These are all the things we say God can't, God doesn't, God would never do. 
Because God is all-knowing. God is complete. God doesn't learn and listen and wonder. God's never dependent. Why the heck does God come as a baby? And I wanted to use the F word in that statement. Why the heck does God come as a baby? Because God wanted to show us how to solve the world's most intractable problems. In fact, God was solving the world's most intractable problem in the universe, the entrenched malevolence of the human heart, the very brokenness in us that means we create as many problems as we solve. Human nature, human sin. God's solution was humility. A baby learning, listening, growing, understanding that you don't know everything. God's solution was self-giving sacrifice. The child that left heaven, that became a servant, and then at just the right time went to the cross, giving up his life that we might find life. Giving us forgiveness, offering us a second go, permission to have a go, to get it wrong and to try again. And therefore, because that's been extended to us, an ability to extend grace to others, to disagree, but to be social. God's solution was humility, sacrifice, forgiveness, grace. And I want to point out community. Jesus doesn't call us to follow him alone, but together. It's like God intentionally puts us in this community called the church with people who are different, who disagree, who see the world differently because we're all only one part of the bigger body. We need each other desperately because together all different parts, one in Christ, we solve our problems and we solve the world's problems. I don't know about you, but when I think about a baby, I want to repent of my pride and arrogance and my addition to the world's problems and, and polarisation. Today is an invitation to follow Christ who came as a baby and died on a cross and to do that in community. There's one last thing that a baby brings into your life and that's hope. Despite life never having been better, there's a desperate lack of of hope in our world today. Babies bring hope for the future. They're like that, aren't they? When you're feeling depressed, when the world's negative, along comes this baby that says, not on my watch. This this life's got a future. There's hope. There's, There's positivity. Into, into our negativity, this baby just overwhelms us with positivity. If you've spent any time in palliative care wards or nursing homes, it can get depressing because everything's about the end of life. 
And that's why this TV show that happened this year, um, Old People's Home for Four-Year-Olds, was so good. A program where they mixed the aged with children. Because what was palpable right there? Hope was. Life was. That my, uh, what did my dad used to say? Gee, if only we could get something out of these three-year-olds and inject it in the old people. You know, we could sell it on the black market. That's what it is. It's, It's this hope. And we're trying the same thing here with our playgroup in Azura Blue. And at our event, one of the old ladies was handed a baby. And she said, I haven't held a baby in decades. And she took this baby in her hands and her face lit up. Hope. This baby brings hope for our future and our eternal future. Today, is it time that you handled a baby once again?